0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 21. Well, hello, folks, and welcome back to My Car Guru, the radio show and the podcast on Apple and Google devices or Android devices. Yes, I've got, I was looking at the list of podcasts that I have done that I have actually posted that are available online. There's 96 of them. That's hard to believe. Well, that's just scratching the surface after twenty five years of doing this, there's a whole lot more out there. I just don't know where all the other ones are. But that's uh, these have been posted to the podcast library. That's exactly what it is. And I'm just looking at some of the ones that had the most hits. Uh, here is one. Uh, how much? This was July twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. How much is too much to pay for a new car? Well, back in July, I guess if you could get anywhere close to MSRP for a new car. And you were doing pretty good I remember when it wasn't too long before that like a couple years before a little thing called the pandemic not to minimize that but there were uh, there were a lot better deals back then there were a lot of rebates a lot of incentives zero um, percent financing for like 72 months and uh, rebates up to ten thousand dollars i mean it was it was crazy competitive everybody had too many cars and then the pandemic hit and we pretty much sold out of vehicles, and then they couldn't produce anymore because the factories were shut down. So that's why everything got so high. But see, now today, it's mitigated some. We do have much lower pricing, so how much is too much to pay for a new car is is different now than it was just back in July. We'll have to get to that. Let's see, here's another episode. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, pardon me, sir, you eat like a pig. That was uh, actually the name of of one of my hottest episodes. And I guess the thrust of the argument in that episode was how hard it is to hire people who have any manners. You know, I don't know. Does anybody teach manners anymore? Of course, I explained on that show that my mom did. She she actually taught etiquette at one time. She did a program for uh, Tennessee Eastman, um, and for a lot of different banks and financial institutions of all kinds. She had an advertising agency, and, and she also did it with uh, the youth of Greene County. They have a Greene County youth program through the, um, what do you call it? The part Well, they call it the partnership in, in my particular county, but I think they call it the Chamber of Commerce in most communities. But she would gather up the young folks and take them to the country club and teach them how to uh, use proper manners, you know, does it matter anymore? Have you seen some people how they huddle over their food and eat like somebody's going to take it away from them? Well, you know, why would I be doing a show on that? Because I have to hire people. And I would prefer to hire people who have been raised right and understand that you do open the doors for ladies and that you do special things for folks. You know, you don't sit down before they sit down. It's just all these other little things that, I don't know, it's just a part of my subconscious. And when I see people violate these things that, that I grew up, you know, knowing how to do because my parents thought they were, thought that it was important. Did I think it was important when they were teaching me those things? I said, no, I resisted. But now I understand. And uh, so it's difficult to hire many people today because they just don't know what it means to present themselves right. I mean, it's really sad. Uh, the the cast of characters that come in and apply for jobs. A- another thing is we hire people and, um, you know, everybody's all excited, you know, and we'll have a new mechanic coming or we'll have a new salesperson. They're starting on Monday and they just don't show up. They don't bother to call. They don't send you a letter. They don't do anything. They just don't show up. And you would never know it by talking to them. But is that how things go now? Is that okay I don't think it is. Okay, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, this was a big one. The plight of the ignorant car buyer. Now, when I say ignorant, I hope you understand what I mean. Ignorance, I'm ignorant about flying an airplane. I am ignorant about being in, uh, like, designing a building to engineering specifications. doesn't mean I'm not smart. I mean, I'm, I'm not ignorant about car stuff. And so... A lot of people just, you know, they have no experience buying a car, so they don't really know what to do, and they fall into the traps that are out there. So, the plight about the of the ignorant car buyer was recorded on November third, twenty twenty two, and you can download it online if you want to hear about that. That was a popular one. Um, another one was can't. This was around uh, Christmas time. Can't justify buying a new car? Then buy a used car. But listen to this first. You know. I had a lady call me the other day. I think she's a radio show listener, and she wanted to know my opinion on a particular vehicle. And so she sent me pictures of the website, and, and I did a little bit of investigation. And I, I was looking at the numbers, and I said, boy, that sounds expensive. And and I looked I, I did a book value evaluation on the vehicle, and it came out pretty good. And I told her what I thought she ought to pay for it. And then I thought about it a little bit harder. And I said, wait a minute. So I did some more research, and I went online and checked out Prices for the vehicle that she was interested in if she bought it new. Also, I just, you know, since I'm a Ford and Nissan dealer, I looked at our inventory and there was a comparable vehicle. And then I looked at a Honda, and which was comparable. And I said, okay, why would you pay $43,000 for something when you can buy the same thing brand new for $38,000? And that's where the market is. If you look at the book value on a lot of vehicles, it's going to be more than MSRP. So you wouldn't know that stuff unless you listen to this radio show. Uh, there was a good show on December 28th about driving your lemon through the showroom window is the wrong thing to do. What is a lemon? And what do you do when you think you have one? That was a pretty valuable show. I'm not going to answer that right now. You need to go back there and listen. But we'll we'll get to that again. You know, we, we do circle back every now and then just to... Just to remind people, you know, and there's always new listeners coming on board and uh, always new people that are downloading podcasts. I'm posting them on Facebook and I push them to Twitter and uh, they go to a couple other places. But if you want to find it, you just, all you have to do is go online and you just type in on the, on the Google line, search line, My Car Guru Podcast. And it'll pop up just like magic. Okay. And just like magic, I'll be back in one minute. Okay, we're back. It is true confessions time again. Yes, when the guru and his team at Gateway make a mistake. Well, really, I didn't make the mistake. It's one of the members of my team. And this kind of thing happens to consumers probably on a more regular basis than, than uh, I would like to even imagine because of the quality of the workforce that we have out there sometimes. But, uh, and it happened to my, uh, my, son's girlfriend. She took her, what was it? A Mazda CX-5. Took it to one of these big box stores that changes oil. Well, they just happened to forget to screw the oil filter on all the way. They just kind of barely got it on there. Well, she's going down the road and all of a sudden the oil filter falls off and all the oil goes out of the engine. Now, if you're driving a car and all the engine oil leaves it, then you've probably got about thirty seconds or less before the engine locks up and, and is destroyed. Well, guess what? Her engine was destroyed, and guess who paid for it? Well, we had to tow the vehicle to the dealership and put it up on a lift and take pictures and all that. We've been this is not our first rodeo of uh, a quick lube place or somebody like that screwing something up. So we just uh, took pictures and and called. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say who it was. Called the store. Uh, through their customer relations department or whatever, and they they took care of it. They stood up to it and then paid for a brand new engine. So we had an incident where an employee that was working he, he was working for me about six months ago. He's not anymore. Uh, we had a few issues, and we tried to correct the behaviors and it did not work. Well, apparently he uh, didn't do what he was supposed to do on an oil change, and he left the oil cap off. Of the top of the engine not the oil filter which would have been disastrous in a very short period of time like the other case but the oil cap so that cap just kind of you know that's where you pour the oil in the new oil i don't know what happened to it He probably left it laying somewhere inside the uh, engine compartment but it fell off and the customer subsequently drove to florida with the oil cap off so oil spraying all over the inside of the engine not to a great extent, but still, it's getting moist underneath there with oil. He didn't notice it, didn't notice an oil leak. And finally, his check engine light comes on when he gets to Florida. And so he goes to his uh, closest Ford dealer, and they pop the hood and look, and boy, they they see, they see there's a lot of oil there. And um, they look and see the oil cap's missing. And, well, that's not good. And his charging system isn't working either. He's got a charging system light on. And so they tested, and the oil had actually seeped into the alternator and damaged it. And so, had replaced that. And uh, boy, they hit him with some big charges, too. I think his total bill was like $1,500. Well, I got paged to the showroom uh, yesterday, and there was this nice gentleman sitting at the table, and I recognized him. I walked up to him, and we chatted. He said, I got something I need to talk to you about. And it was this whole incident, and he was so nice and he showed me the documentation that he had. He had the series of events written down and stuff. He had typed it up, and we looked at the uh, p- photographs that, that he had taken or the, that the shop had taken, and he showed me the bill, and he showed me the bill where he had paid us for an oil change. I said, well, this, I'm, let me go talk to my service manager about it. So I went and talked to my service manager and came back, and I said, you want the good news or the good news? He said, well, I'll take the good news. I said, this isn't going to cost you anything, and I apologize that we did this. Um, But, you know, obviously this is something that was our fault, and we're going to stand behind it. $1,500 worth. Now, we have a checklist that our technicians are supposed to use uh, when they do a a service. And 99.9% of the time, everything goes well, but but there's that one-tenth of 1%. I hope it's that low where, you know, they overlook something. And it may be something very minor, or it may be major. We had a Mercedes-Benz one time that uh, we had traded for, and we put it in the shop, and we we don't have oil filters for Mercedes-Benz, so we called an outside parts vendor for a filter for this particular model. They sent us a filter, we put it on. 1,000 miles later, the engine locks up, and it's because the filter was not the right filter for that vehicle should have used a, an original equipment Mercedes-Benz filter. And so uh, we had to file a claim against the um, the parts house. Their insurance settled with us and bought a new engine. That engine, the first quote we got on that engine was just a hair over $30,000 for that engine. Uh, we were able to uh, get a remanufactured engine through Mercedes-Benz. They You really can't buy a new engine from them, although their uh, engines are... Basically engines that have failed for one reason or another, but were salvageable, and then they completely rebuild it they got the thing and then they they resell them to their dealers so we we were able to get a reman engine for I think it was like 21,000, but the insurance company paid for it. This stuff happens. I guess if I'm a consumer, uh, I get my oil changed. you know should you when you get home, should you raise the hood and just pull the dipstick out and make sure it's where it needs to be? I think so. I think um, that's the that's being diligent. Should you have to? No, you shouldn't have to. And um, you know, like I say, I, I take this stuff very seriously at my dealership. If if somebody messes up that works for me, I am fixing it, and then I'm correcting the behavior of the employee to make sure that it doesn't happen again but you know we're writing 50 repair orders a day and all 50 of those people want something different and so quality quality control is a little bit more difficult than when you know you're looking at an assembly line and everybody's making the same thing and you know you can have inspectors looking at it to make sure that the widgets are are being connected to the dumaflatches correctly i know it's not that simple but when you're, you know, all of in a car dealership, it's, it's more complex than that. And so, you know, we test drive, for example, anything that, that has a, a drivability issue, meaning that the, the, the way the vehicle handles and, and drives, the engine performance, those kind of things, we test drive any repair that we do with regards to that. We test drive anything has to do with the brakes, you know, any type of safety-related issue, Um, You know, if we balance somebody's tires, we're going to test drive it to make sure that they're truly balanced. But oil changes, you know, you don't test drive something for that. And so you've got to make sure that you have, that you remind your employees on a regular basis, hey, you guys, you know, we don't want to have to pay for somebody's engine. You have to check these things. And like I say, we've got uh, four guys that do oil changes. And um, after that guy left, we replaced him. And the one that we replaced him with has done great. No comebacks whatsoever. We rarely have comebacks, but this was one. And so if you're a car owner um, and you're having, let's say you're going to get to a Jiffy Lube place, and I hate to say Jiffy Lube or just any kind of fast lube place, you go to a dealership. You know, when you get home, make sure you're on level ground and and the car's uh, not running and uh, check your oil level and just make sure it's where it needs to be. Um, you know, occasionally, I mean, if, if it's a new place and they say they put new brake pads on and turned your rotors, you want to be able to look in there and say, are those rotors nice and shiny? You know, did they put new pads on it? Some, pl- some people insist on seeing their old parts. Now, if, um, if I had a brake job, that's probably something I would want to say. I want to see my old pads, just my old friends that used to stop me all those years. I'd like to see them. Or I like to see them before they replace them just to make sure that they actually do need to be replaced. There are some shops out there that will say that your car needs something. And it really marginally, it may, but probably not. And then, you know, you end up paying for something that you didn't need. But I don't think you're going to find that at most uh, legitimate businesses like car dealerships in this market area. You go to a, uh, like a big Chevy dealership or Honda, Toyota or something. I don't think that that there are many that will try to sell you something you don't need. I think the area where they tend to do that is in the area of flushes. Like, I'm not a big fan of brake system and, and power steering flushes. And I mean, they want to flush everything that doesn't need to be flushed. Cooling system, absolutely. But some of the other these other things are, I, I don't think they're necessary unless the manufacturer requires it in order to maintain the warranty. That's a totally different deal. So you got to pay attention to that kind of stuff. you got to make sure that you're getting what you paid for. And then if you have an issue, deal with it promptly. You know, call the dealership, make an appointment, go talk to somebody. And sometimes the service advisor is not the one to talk to. I've mentioned this several times. You know, ask to speak to the general manager of the dealership. If he's not available, then talk to the service manager. You know, and if you get this, you know, where they're, they're trying to protect them from you, then maybe you're doing business at the wrong place. If you can't walk into the dealership, say, I'd like to speak to the service manager or call them say, well, what's what do you want to talk to him about? You know, if you get that kind of pushback, then, uh, you know, they probably have an issue going on in the dealership. You know, it, and it is hard to find a general manager of a store. Now, if you come to Gateway Ford, my dealership, or Nissan, I'm here probably 70% of the time. Um, and if somebody wants to talk to me, they can, they can talk to me. I I, put, I give out my cell phone number, you know, just like candy on Halloween. And so I invite that. But most dealers don't. They, they don't want to. And most sales managers, even salespeople, they're reluctant to give out their cell phone number. I don't know why. I don't like getting calls that, you know, when Jeopardy comes on. No, I don't really watch Jeopardy. But, you know, I think uh, you don't call somebody at home late at night unless it's an emergency, and I've had those. Lord knows over the years I've had those. Well, I'm going to take my last break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, well, one of the main things I wanted to accomplish today was first, you know, when you have an issue, when you have a a problem like that, uh, just how you handle it is so important. I mean, to go in and raising cane and yelling and screaming and you know embarrassing everybody in the service drive that is the wrong way to get a problem solved because it's just human nature. People don't want to help somebody who's being a jerk, and so don't be one be nice and This gentleman was just so nice the way he came in, and I mean he could have been i mean I understand the frustration, but he handled it so professionally, and I just oh, I just wanted to help him. You know, and even when I have to bring somebody down to to the real earth, put their feet back on the ground, I'll do that. But it's not fun, you know. And you want to, you'd rather just be cordial and nice to people and and solve the problem that way. Also, I just want to make you aware again of the podcast. And uh, if you miss a show, and you want to go see a topic that may be relevant to uh, something you're going through right now, well, it's there. You just have to go to my car guru podcast and you'll find it. Okay, I'm just trying to make myself as accessible as pos- possible. And if you need me for any reason, you know that you can call 423-552-2020. Send me a text. I've been I got a bunch of them this uh, this past week. And I love doing the research for you and helping you find out uh, find the answers to the questions that you have. Most of them are lately have been purchase related. Uh, somebody wanting to buy a car and wondering how much they should pay for it. I've had a bunch of those. I've had a couple mechanical issues that we have helped them solve. And most of these people, they don't end up doing business with me, which is kind of sad. No, th- that's fine. I mean, that's what this show is all about, to help people navigate this uh, automotive world that we live in. its It's your car life is the way I like to refer to it. We all have one. We live it. We breathe it. We rely on it. And when things don't go well in our car life, then other things maybe don't go so well either. So, uh, like I say, 423-552-2020 is my cell phone number. My email address is lennylawson2020 at gmail.com. Now, I've also been getting uh, some phone calls from folks about old cars, and I love that. Uh, I just bought an old car because of a phone call, 1948 Lincoln Continental Convertible. I'm really excited about it. Um, have a gentleman that's trying to sell me a, an older Corvette right now. He's interested in selling. Had somebody call me about a a 1966 Mustang Coupe, which I'm not a big coupe fan. But you know, everything has a market value. Now, the the problem with that is some people think that you know because they have something and it's old that it's worth a lot. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, when it comes to cars, if it has four doors, that hurts it. You know, station wagons are hot right now. If you've got an old station wagon, people like those. Um, And different people are interested in in like restoring vehicles. Uh, Right now, I'm buying primarily things that are already restored that we don't have to do a lot to. You know, if we have to do a just button one up or something like that, then that's something that, that I might be interested in. But I can help you sell stuff and find buyers that you may not have access to. So, if you need help with that, you can give me a call on that as well. And finally, uh, spring is right around the corner. Summer driving. Get your car ready. Uh, now's a good time to replace your wiper blades. Check those tires out. If your tires, they may not be worn out, but they may be old. If tires are over seven years old, it's time to replace them. Um, and make sure you have plenty of tread depth. That's uh, you. You know, you can use a penny. You can stick. Get a, a penny with Lincoln on it and and stick the penny down in the tread and get down beside it. And if you can't see the if you can see the top of Lincoln's head, then your tires are beyond worn out. And we haven't had a lot of salt, a lot of bad snow and stuff around here, but you know, a real good cleanup where they actually get up underneath the car, take it to a detail shop that does that. You know, some of the drive through car washes are okay, but you know, that should be a rare thing for you. You destroy your paint finish when you take your car through a drive-through car wash. It's best to get them hand-washed by people who know what they're doing, get the interior cleaned out real good, get your tires all nice and shiny, and clean the wheel wells and underneath uh, the fenders and stuff, especially on trucks up underneath the bedside. If you don't get that uh, taken care of when the vehicles are new, they end up rusting out when they're old. So just a few tips to get ready for the spring driving season. Okay, I'll be seeing you next time. Bye-bye.